We're really in the dog days of summer here, Ryan, and I've just been racking my brain trying to come up with what to open the show with. I just have no idea today, but I have to give a lot of props to Brad from Broad Street Hockey, who uh, I don't even think Brad's uh, writing for us regularly these days, but he does pop in the slack sometimes and gives us some great stuff. And I love that Brad came in and pointed out, so the Flyers, do they do this community caravan where they go around and they, they go to different communities. They, you know, bring gritty and fun and games and all that shit. As much fun as the Flyers can bring, which ain't much these days. But uh, our, our good friend, Mr. TDA, was there. And Brad pointed out that he was signing uh, autograph photos, okay? <laughs> and the photos were of our best friend in a Flyers uniform and on the ice. <laughs> and... I didn't even think about this until Brad put it out. He said, is he signing photoshopped pictures of himself in a Flyers uniform for people? <laughs> and he's got to be, right? It has to be. Unless they did some sort of like, you know, closed door media day thing where he's like actually in a uniform. Yeah. That but has to be photoshopped. I think it's photoshopped. I'm pretty sure it's, it's very funny. It's very funny. It, it's possible. But like... It's not a practice uniform or anything. It's the full uniform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, because I know sometimes they'll get the players in their full uniform just to take photos, just for, like, PR purposes or whatever. But, like, They're usually know. not on the you ice. Would they're think, usually, yeah. like, it, you know when they do the intros and they add all the smoke and mist behind them and they're like, yes, this guy's ready exactly. for clutch time. Clutch time, baby. Clutch time. <laughs> We're going to talk about clutch time later. I'm excited. So I love how in the, I haven't played the NHL video game in a while, but I love how in the NHL video game, they still have hashtag clutch time in the Flyers arena. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's been a decade. rid of it. It's (laughs) been a decade. One could say it's been a while. It's been a while. Been a while since the Flyers had clutch time. That is weird that he's signing autographs. Like, I mean, it's not weird that he's signing autographs. Well, Actually, it is weird because we would opinions. want his autograph. We got opinions. But, yeah, I wouldn't know. No one in their right mind would. I'm want good. It. I'm. Pa- that's a pass. But you know, this kid doesn't know any better. He doesn't know any. He's just a kid. It's a kid. You yeah, know, yeah. Blame the parents. Kids are but... stupid. <laughs> kids are dumb. They're real <laughs> kids dumb. Are stupid. Dummy. You know, it's like you're gonna get like an autograph from TDA. You dummy. <laughs> yeah, it's like in Home Alone where it's just like he's Home Alone and he's like, yeah, but kids are stupid, moth. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly like Home Alone with TDA slipping and falling and getting nails through his feet and getting flamethrowers on his That's still my favorite. That's my favorite Home Alone gag to this day. It's the 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 flamethrower on the head. And then like his delayed reaction, he's like his hair's on fire, his head's on fire, and he's like completely motionless like a statue just screaming. (laughs) (laughs) But he's not moving. He's not doing anything about it. He's just... Screaming. Uh, of all, he's in shock. He's in yeah. shock. I, I love that of all the Home Alone, and there's a lot of attempted murder things that Kevin McAllister does to yeah. Harry and Marv. But this one, is it Harry and Marv? 
I know I Marv. Think it's Harry and Marv. Yeah. yeah. But that one, the flamethrower is the one that gets me the most is attempted murder on Kevin McAllister's part. Hey, he's defending his property as an American. That's his right. But it's it's very funny that this kid is just he sets up a flamethrower to scorch yeah. this guy's head. Where do you even get a flamethrower? Oh, well, I think it was. I don't know, some sort of tools from his parents' yeah. home. Or ma- yeah, maybe yeah. it was like, a, it was probably like an assemblance. He probably created the flamethrower. He probably, you know, Kevin McAllister is basically Kid MacGyver, so that, yeah. that checks out. If Kevin McAllister were real, he would like be the next great inventor, I feel like. Why haven't they made a Saw movie where Kevin McAllister <laughs> is the new Saw? That's a great question. I'm sure somebody know. has asked this before because it just seems it, it makes too much sense to me. But clearly you need to do a horror movie with Kevin McAllister from Home Alone setting up these saw like traps for people because he this was his childhood. This is all he knows is how to trap and torture people coming into his property. I just see like Macaulay Culkin grown like grown ass Macaulay Culkin coming around the corner just like want to play a little game. Oh, this is huh? good. I'm writing this. All right. Let's get the typewriters out. We're we're making a script tonight. He's, dude, all right. So I know he went through, like, he kind of went through it for, like, a he good went portion of, for his, sure, yeah. of his life. But, like, he, I've seen him recently. He's, like, doing awesome. Oh, yeah. He came out on the other side, and he's doing great. I'm, I'm like very happy for him. Yeah. And he seems unbelievably normal, too. Yeah. Which is so hard to do when you have the childhood that he had. It's hard to come back from anything, really. Like, you know, yeah. child stars will fuck you up in general, but it's also, it, it's just hard to come back from when you've, I, I, I don't know if he particularly dealt with addiction stuff. I feel like I heard he did, I but I don't want to say did. that for sure. But yeah. like, you even look at somebody who had a lesser degree of child stardom, you look at uh, Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks, right? Oh, dude, And you remember yeah. that mugshot from a few years ago? And I think he cleaned <laughs> yeah. up his act and got back to normal too, which yeah, is great to so. see. But like, you even see guys like, we just saw this with Bobby Ryan this week, this week where Bobby Ryan had his uh, drinking addiction problem, and then he relapsed this week, and I think he got caught shoplifting at the airport. And, you know, that that just sucks. It sucks to see, but uh, there's a lot of good support for Bobby Ryan out there, a lot of good tweets. And Bobby yeah. Ryan was very appreciative on uh, social media to people for the support to him. Yeah, he, like, tweeted, like, oh, back from day one again, this is embarrassing or whatever. And every, like the responses and the replies were like unanimously positive. Like, That's good. We got and your back. Like, yeah, it's good to see. We got to do more of this for people going through that stuff. Not just like star athletes, like actually support people because you see too many people struggle with addiction and all that. And you really just have to be there for them and, and help them. And it's tough. It's really tough. And this is far away and much more sobering than the topic I started with, with the weird Photoshop. <laughs> Yeah, it is. (laughs) But I'm going to I'm just going to make a hard turn back to that because I want to talk about this because this reminded me of one of my favorite gags from the movie Step Brothers where where he pulls out the katana and he's like, you know, this is signed by signed by Randy Jackson, which is that gets me every time in that movie. It's so good. I always forget about that. 
it's one of the happens. weirdest jokes from from that entire movie. It's great. I was, and I put out uh, a call on Twitter and Instagram for people to send me like weird autographs they might have gotten over the years. And somebody, it was a uh, Rob Del Val one said, "I bumped into Randy Jackson, and all I had on me was a samurai sword." You're not gonna get. You're not not gonna get Randy Jackson's <laughs> autograph. Right? You have to. Yeah, yeah, you have to do it. That's and that's <laughs> such a good gag right there. I love it. And. Uh, you know, it's just like I would feel so weird if I got a photoshopped picture signed by the player, unless he was like, I don't know. There's certain, McDavid. like, yeah, exactly. Connor McDavid or oh, Johnny Gaudreau, not to get back on that topic, but you know, somebody big time. It's like, okay, listen, anything because this guy's just a, a yeah, fantastic like, player. I, I would have Connor McDavid sign a. Uh, croquet hammer or bat or whatever the fuck that thing is croquet whatever that thing is the club is that what it is what do you play croquet with oh my god i don't know i don't think i've ever played that called hey connor mcdavid you want to sign my bocce ball yeah dude i would have him sign a basketball i'd have him sign anything i could get my hands on well actually no i wouldn't because I don't believe in autographs. I think they're corny. So this like, is this is one of the things I, I wanted to go pivot to because, you know, when so you, it, most people who have been following sports since they were a kid have yeah. a few autographed items lying around because when you're a kid, you know, that's one of the things you do. You go up, you try to get player autographs and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun thing when you're a kid and then it's a little different when you're an adult. Uh, it's like if you're in the position to get it and then you can i don't know either cherish that item in a weird way or sell it or something that's cool and i'm not going to judge anybody who gets autographs but i hear you where it's a little weird when you're an adult yeah yeah like i don't know i just like i don't feel like anyone's autograph is worth it you know like i would rather just instead of an autograph just be like hey uh celebrity what can i get a quick picture when you get a second well because or... of the so back in the day before everybody had a camera in their pocket that i think the autograph was more valuable back then yes and, yeah now it's not it's yeah. the selfie that's what it's all about you know you got to get that shit on the gram come on yeah and then i can tell all my friends that me and you know joel Embiid are best friends we've known each other for decades yeah or went or, up to yeah. philly to see my boy joel good to see him courtside seats next week and then just conveniently don't post any courtside. pictures <laughs> of courtside because you're not there very convenient because <laughs> you very... don't know joel Embiid. yeah you don't actually know but like, yeah but you tell people that you do i should photoshop my picture myself into the picture i took of joel Embiid walking through the park in front of independence hall shirtless the one day <laughs> be like yeah. yeah i'm just hanging out with my friend joel while he's walking his <laughs> leashless dog through the park while we're all we were again the funny thing about that is we went outside to see if we could see meek mill coming into our building to go to court <laughs> We were outside the building we worked in because there was a court in our building and Meek Mill was reportedly coming in to try and get some charges dismissed or something. And we all waited outside for Meek and then we saw Joel. <laughs> That's so random. It's but so like, random. Yeah. It's great. Was he though. going to visit Meek or something? No, he, I think at the time, I don't know if he still does, but I think he was living in the condo next door to the building I worked in. Oh, okay. Because there's a fancy newer condo that's been built in the past like five years there with one of those like like robot parking garages you know like the one where oh, they just take yeah. your car and put it somewhere isn't that kind of i remember i think when the flyers did like their um 
the first year that Elaine Vigneault was coach, remember they did like the training camp, like docu-series? I can't remember what it was called. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. But I remember they showed like Claude Giroux's house and he had like an elevator for his car. That's wild. He like brought it in and then, yeah, it was insane. Imagine being that stinking rich. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is in the grand scheme of things, Claude Giroux is fucking poor compared to any other athlete. In oh, yeah, yeah. LeBron James <laughs> is like uh, 85 Claude Giroux right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. LeBron could buy like four Giroux houses and then buy like 10 other houses spread across the world. LeBron, I think he actually reached officially like billionaire status right there. Yeah. 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 He asked to me. Yeah. But uh, pivoting back to the autographs again. So I was thinking about some of the weirdest ones I've gotten over the years. Cause I, I've never quite gotten a, a Photoshop picture of an athlete with an autograph, but I do have some weird things. And my, I've kind of got one for, I don't have one for the Sixers, but for the other three Philly teams I adore, I have something. So I have an Eagles pennant signed by a bunch of scrub players that I got at training camp. And to put this in perspective, I got this at training camp so long ago that it was David Akers' first training camp with the Eagles. That was the oh, one where wow. he won the job over Chris Bonio because that... Cowboys scumbag. Uh, I don't think he's a scumbag, but he played for the Cowboys and he was never good for the Eagles. Which but... makes him a scumbag. Exactly. But yeah. he, I remember seeing him miss kicks or I think he got a, a kick blocked in camp and then Akers was just like knocking everything down left and right. And I was like, oh, I think this, this new guy might win the job out. And then he did. And then he was here forever, forever. And uh, so I, <laughs> I went for autographs at the end and I was there with my grandpa and his friend from back in the day. And, you know, of course, they're not going to sit there for my nonsense and wait for me to get the good autographs where, you know, if you wait for like a McNabb, B-Doc, Westbrook line, I think they were there that year. Maybe McNabb and Dawkins were. I don't think uh, Westbrook was a guy yet. But like that line was insanely long. And then the second tier guys were was pretty long, too. But then there was the third tier guys and there was nobody in that line. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll get my pennant autographed by these guys. And I could look at it now. I probably wouldn't name, couldn't name most of the players on there, if any, uh, except for one. And that would be Eric Bieniemy, who's now <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach who comes up. I think he's the offensive coordinator, actually, who comes up in conversations for head coach every year. Every year. It's yeah. weird. It is weird. But I have his autograph, apparently. And he was like uh, trying to be on the Eagles at running back. So hooray. That's kind of cool, I it's, guess. It's, I guess, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like, yeah, this is autographs by some guys. I don't fucking know. And then I have a Phillies hat that's signed by Bill Giles and a bunch of front office ownership guys from the early 90s because I was in the Phillies kids fan club, whatever that was. <laughs> that's a weird one, too. <laughs> and then I just have a bunch of, like, random flyer shits from luminaries. Like, I have signed pucks from luminaries such as Vaclav Vinny Prospel. Yo, Vinny Prospel! Everybody's favorite South Philly eyes name over there. And Branko Radovojevic, what a name, what a player. Just valuable, valuable merchandise right here. I don't know who either of those people are. You don't know who Vinny Prospel is? No. Are you fucking serious? Oh my God. I'm dead serious. You're killing me, dude. You're killing me, Smalls. (laughs) So I didn't start following hockey seriously until like 2012. Oh my God. So I'm way, way behind. You know, this actually upsets me more than, than Pauly Shore does. 
if I'm being honest, because I, I mentioned Vinny Prospel on here a lot, and <laughs> this is very upsetting to me. This is <laughs> so his last season in the NHL was my first season watching hockey. <laughs> he played a while. That, played, that was a homegrown played, Flyers prospect right there, Vinny Prospel. That was a guy who played I, two seasons with the Flyers. But he played with the Phantoms before he came up with the Flyers, and he was there. Yeah. I think his first season was the Stanley Cup run in 97. So I remember going to Phantoms games when they played in Philadelphia at the Spectrum and watching this guy, and he was just freaking awesome he was so good and i was like this guy's gonna be a top-notch nhler and he ended up being a pretty good nhler for a long time for various teams but not really the flyers oh he came back to the flyers in 2008 yep and he was not good well he had 14 points in 18 games which isn't like terrible yeah i guess he was fine he was fine but you know whatever but yeah, Prospel was a guy I just remember from back in the day, and I'm just upset that you've never heard of him. Radovojevic, nobody gives a shit about Radovojevic. Yeah, it's just no, a funny I... name from Flyers history, right there. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. What do I? What weird shit do I? Okay, so I have three things that are autographed. One of them is actually cool. I have a like mini Eagles helmet signed by Donovan McNabb. Oh, um, that's a good one. I have. <laughs> we have more McNabb content coming up later in the show. Apparently, this next one was given to me as a gift. I have a Washington Redskins ball signed by a bunch of shitty players on the Washington Redskins. Oh, baby. Because the Redskins used to do, um, and this is when they were the Redskins, they did training camp in Richmond, Virginia, where I live. And um, I guess my brother went and got a ball, and he's a Giants fan, so I don't know why the fuck he went, but like he Your got a Redskins a Giants ball. fan? You poor soul. Dude, he's he gets mad at me. You've had because, to put up with a lot of shit over the years, I yeah, imagine. You're telling me. He gets mad at me for like straying away from the new because like my whole family's from New York and he's just like, You're not from Philly. And I'm just like, Yeah, but I was raised liking the Eagles, so I like all the Philly teams. I don't know, fuck off. Um <laughs> and so he he uh he got this ball signed by just fucking NFL legends, Colt McCoy. Oh, yeah. Um, Colt fucking McCoy. Who else? So many other ones. But the one name on there that was kind of cool was uh, um, D'Angelo Hall. Okay, okay. Um, so that's signed by D'Angelo Hall. And um, when he had that ball for, like, forever, and then he just, like, gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I fucking hate this team. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Oh, so- yeah. Th- thank you for racist football team football. Thank you. This <laughs> yeah. is great. So I got that. I don't even know where the fuck that is now. And then it doesn't matter. No, I could care less. It's. I hope it's floating in the ocean in that plastic beach in the Pacific somewhere. And then, um, <laughs> and then I, and then I have this poster. So, fun fact: I, your boy, was in the marching band in high school. Oh and wow! So we had like my band teacher had like this this group of brass like instrument nerds come like do a concert for us and they're called the Boston Brass yes. and they like signed and they gave us all posters and they like signed them all for us and I'm like I don't even know who the fuck you are the audacity to think I want your autograph the Boston and I don't even Brass I have no the brass idea. balls on the Boston yeah. Brass to give you the that. Boston Brass 
And I was just like, you fucking kidding, dude? I don't know who you are, and you're signing an autograph? They were nice guys. <laughs> they were nice guys. Brass. They seemed to be nice. But hey, guys, you day... want to see my Boston Brass autograph? <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, you're fucking band geeks. Know your worth. <laughs> Boston Brass. Know where you... Know where you stand in society. You don't give autographs. <laughs> That's great. Let's be real. Yeah, like, you know, if somebody asked me for an autograph, I'd be like, you don't want that. Yeah. Nobody would ever and ask me for that. They, and they dress like jackasses. They just wear these, like, purple blazers with these black pants. Oh, we got to start doing that. Next event, <laughs> purple blazers and black pants. Here they are. I got a, I got a photo of them. And oh, they just, are you sending yeah. it on the Slack? Yeah, I'm sending it to you right oh, now. Oh, good. I'm excited. I'm waiting with bated breath right now. That's fantastic. There's two trumpet players, a trombone player, a tuba player, and a, a French horn player. Oh, my God. They look like a ska band. They do. Boston Brass. Oh, my Listen, God. Again, this picture wanna... is hilariously cheesy. You got to share this <laughs> after the show. And, oh, my God. This is great. Because, like, the guy in the left is like, ha, ha, what a funny joke. And then, I know, yeah. There's an action shot from trombone. the next guy. I'm going left to right here, so if somebody follows the, the photo later. The guy in the middle is like, I have a secret. <laughs> and then the guy next to him is like, I know you're sleeping with my wife. <laughs> and then the last guy goes, why am I doing this? But he's laughing about it. Oh, man. The we, like, listened to one of their songs. I can't even remember what it was called. Um, but we, like, played it with them. Live the Brass the Boys are back. The Brass Boys, baby. Let me see. Let me see if I can find. Um, you th- look that up. I'm going to read some of the responses we got from from listeners and people on social media on this one. <laughs> so I, I went on social media and I asked people for weird things they had autographed. And uh, I got a few responses on this. So the first one I'm going to read came on the old Instagram. Justin said, I have a 40 ounce beer bottle autographed by the singer of the Super Suckers. Oh, my God. That's amazing, Justin. Ah, here it is. I found it. We played this song with them called Wayside Festival. Oh. How about that? It's the fucking weirdest thing. Wayside Festival. They suck. They suck. The brass suck. The Boston Brass, if you're listening, you're not a friend of the show. No, not quite. I'm sorry. We're making fun of you actively. Yeah, uh, you know, the Cole Beasley category here. But Cole Beasley is considered a friend of the show despite being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why. We haven't dropped a sorry, not sorry in here in a while. I guess it's uh, time to just, re- we got to revisit the United Hate of America at some point, <laughs> the worst rap album ever produced. 80 Stings of Pain listening to that thing. But I love Justin's response. A 40-ounce beer bottle autographed by the singer of the Super Suckers. That's amazing. And then... Looking at Twitter, so Leftover Ether said, A pen dot helmet covered in the autographs of the entire inaugural Wil- <laughs> Wilkes Park Scranton's Penguins roster. Oh, boy. Wilkesbury. Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins roster. A pen dot helmet covered in the autographs of the entire inaugural Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins roster. Amazing. That is pretty good. I like that one. The Blue Raja said, my sister got Brian Setzer to sign her mozzarella sticks for our uncle. What does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, is it a box, like a frozen box of mozzarella sticks that got autographed? Or is it literally a mozzarella stick? The stray cats. And you just, you just took a Sharpie and signed that 
breadcrumb ass stick of. I, I, I that would be maybe the worst mozzarella stick in history if that could hold up to a sharpie because yeah. there should be a little oh, crunch dude. to a mozzarella stick, but not a ton. Not enough where you can do an autograph. Yeah, on it. yeah. And honestly, I'm fine with there not being crunch to a mozzarella stick as long as the cheese is good and gooey. But. <laughs> mozzarella stick and also this is brian setzer who you probably don't know who he is because i brought up we talked about the the uh uh call the big band I, I call them big band but they're more uh swing bands the swing band era of the 90s that you weren't familiar with and brian setzer oh, yeah. was he was an 80s musician with a band called the stray cats and then he had a comeback in the late 90s during the swing band revival and he had the brian setzer orchestra you gotta jump jive and then you will. Like that kind of shit. And uh, so <laughs> he signed the mozzarella sticks, apparently. <laughs> Not shocking. Oh, man. Not shocking Fantastic. at all. Fantastic. Sean R. Moore said, got Dave Keckner to autograph my chest last month. Hair and sweat made it difficult and illegible. <laughs> David Keckner from the office in Anchorman? <laughs> Sean, let me tell you, when all this is over, you and I are going to get an apartment. <laughs> That's amazing. I love David Kekner. <laughs> Captain. I almost. Uh, oh, no, sorry. no. After you, uh, by I all means, sir. I almost got an interview from Jeff. Or interview. I almost got an autograph from Jeff Corwin, who used to have an Animal Planet show about animals. Brian Fellows? But I got too scared. and I. <laughs> you got too scared of Jeff Corwin? Yeah. <laughs> All that animal clout got to you. <laughs> yes, it did. God, the clout I'd die for. If only I had If only you had like animal that. clout. Yeah. When we get Steph back on and you just talk about animals for 45 minutes while I play a game on my phone, that'll be good. Steve, I will do it. I know you'll I, do it. Nothing, nothing will stop me from talking about animals. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Captain Joseph said, I've got a signed copy of Bad Religion Frontman, Greg Graffin's PhD thesis. Wait, what? So he has a signed copy of Greg Graffin's PhD thesis. Yes! That's actually... That's phenomenal. Weirdly cool as shit. I love that. I would, I would love having that. Honestly, I really That's would. That's really great. I love that. I always, I've always dreamed of like going back to school and going to UCLA and taking a class with Greg Graff. Because apparently, I think he, I, th- I know he was at UCLA as a professor. Um, and now, maybe he's at Cornell now or something like that. But Never heard wherever he is, he's an educator, which I think is cool as fuck. Yeah. And I would love to take a class taught by the fucking architect of one of the greatest punk bands in the history of punk there would there would be no sorrow if you could take that class no sorrow at all (laughs) rob number 23 rob said i have an apron from a flyer's wives carnival signed by bob clark and his wife sandra (laughs) that i love that too that's great it's good it's like the fact that his wife signed it is what makes it Really oh, yeah, because if it was just Bob Clark, it'd be like, yeah, this is my Clark. He signed, you know, <laughs> Flyers Wives yeah, apron. apron. But having both Bob Clark and his wife on there makes it very funny. I, like, I'm just, ima- <laughs> I'm just imagining Bob Clark signing it. And then his wife's just like, what are you doing? He's like signing an autograph. She's like, ooh, let me do it, too. <laughs> sure thing, hon. Not messing with that. <laughs> Final one. If it flies, it spies. I have a glow-in-the-dark snorkel. Autographed by 
<laughs> Biodome star Polly Shore. <laughs> yes. Yes. The flight content on these responses is stellar. <laughs> the only disappointment is we didn't have anything signed by Aaron Lewis of Stained or, <laughs> or of yeah. course, Guy Fieri, our Lord and Savior. I, when you said, like, the glow in the dark is an oracle, and then you said the B syllable of the name of, of Biodome, for some reason my mind was um, was expecting Brisgolov. Oh, a Brisgolov autograph would and be And that would make so much sense if Brisgolov was just running around signing glow-in-the-darks <laughs> snorkels for people. I really did want to, I, I went to, I've only been to one Flyers Wives Carnival now that I think about it, and I really wanted to meet Brisgolov that day, but I think it was a little pricey or the line was long or something, and I was broke at the time. Nowadays, I'd just be like, yeah, let's shell this shit out, we're meeting Briz. We're going to ask about the universe and shit, but you know, I didn't make much money back then. Uh, I do remember they did a thing where fans could shoot on the goalies, and I think Pris, like, every one of them went in or something. Oh, my God. Well, you have to be mid. Well, you have to be mid. You have to be mid. It's on the game. Uh, <laughs> but glow in the dark <laughs> snorkel signed by Polly Shore. That is really great. I, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that's very good. It's a glut-in-the-dark snorkel. I love it. You still have no <laughs> idea what that means. We're gonna. That's going to be an episode. No. You're going to watch a Pauly Shore movie. You're going to watch Encino Man. Okay, by the end of the summer, you're going to watch Encino Man. Maybe we'll even, if we can find the technology to do a watch-along and watch it together and do some Mystery Science Theater 3000-style commentary to it, that would be great. So, out of curiosity, I just Googled, like, the weirdest things ever signed, like, autographed by famous people. And I just found this. San Jose Sharks' Dan Boyle once autographed the dashboard of a car for a fan. And not just any car, but a really nice, expensive one. <laughs> Qu quote, it was like an Aston Martin or something, he said. <laughs> the Boyle-mobile. A car dashboard. And it's signed by... Just a pretty mediocre hockey player right there. Like he wasn't bad, but it was like Okay, a you you don't ask you don't ask Dan Boyle to sign If you're gonna get a he's shark, not, you gotta get like Joe guy. Thornton. Yeah, get Joe. Patrick you know, Marlowe. Like those two guys, I'll ask them to sign anything. Mike Ricci. Dan Boyle, if I don't have anything on me for Dan Boyle to sign, I'll just be like I'll just wave at him and tell my friends that I saw him. Mike, Re I don't need his autograph. Mike, Mike Ricci autographed my '81 Gremlin. <laughs> oh boy, Trent Klatt autographed my Honda Civic. Dale Weiss Service? autographed. He autographed the the tire of my 1998 Toyota Corolla. If you can get the Dutch Gretzky to autograph the tire of your Corolla, you do it. Now I would. <laughs> Dan Vis, the Dutch Gretzky! I love it. I miss him. He's basically a mascot for this podcast. Like, at least he was, like, fun bad. Like, he was just terrible, but you could at least... He was hilariously, he was hilariously bad. It was bad. like he was doing it on yeah. purpose. <laughs> That's why it was funny. I, like, I miss the fun bad. It's just, like, sad bad at this point. Now, yeah, now it's just, like, the players are, like, trying. Uh, the GM, the GM is trying to kill us, I think, is where we're actively at at this point. But that's a th like he's not even trying to do it either. He's trying to make us better, but he doesn't know how to make us better, <laughs> and therefore he's just making us infinitely worse. And 
the like the players he's bringing in think I think they think they're good. Oh, they got, well, of course they not. think they're good. They're in the NHL. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're great. Well, yeah, in comparison to me, they're great. Amazing well, compared listen. to me. But compared to other like players who are in the NHL, sorry, I hate to tell you Nick Delorier. <laughs> You shouldn't have an NMC. No, it's insane that he has an NMC. Absolutely <laughs> it's insane. Very odd. And I think he would even agree. Listen. There has to be some level of self-awareness for for Nick Deloria. Like he must. Oh, he signed that contract. He, was read the, he, was like, oh, he like submitted that because he thought it was a joke. Four years. If, if we saw him, if we saw Nick Deloria in a bar and we were just like shooting the shit with him and we just asked him, Nick, be honest. Were you expecting that new move clause? I guarantee you'd be like, fuck no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I can't believe they gave me that. Listen, Chuck might not be a smart man, but he knows how to love shitty players. He does. He might not be a smart man. I, can I make fun of Forrest Gump at this point? Who knows? But Nick Delorier, I'd say he's easily one of the worst contracts on the team. He's not even making that much money, but sadly he did not make the NHL's top 10 worst contracts by Dom loose chicken on the athletic as Kurt likes to call him. I don't know how to pronounce Dom's <laughs> name, so I'm just going to call him Dom. Al. I think it's Lu- I think it's Lucision or something. Dom loose chicken. Greg Luzinski. Way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. You know, Bulls barbecue. There we go. So Dom loose chicken uh, on the athletic made a list of the top 10 <laughs> worst contracts in the league and no flyers listed in the top 10 worst contracts. So they can't even be good at being that's bad. Shocking. Yeah. Just com- that's very, I was surprising. legitimately shocked that there were no flyers on this list. I'm going to quickly go through the list. Tyler Sagan, Seth Jones, Jeff Skinner, Skinner, Mark Edward Vlasic, the pickle man, Darnell nurse who, you know, in his defense, he's never puked on the ice like his Uncle Donovan, and he's yeah. got that going for him. Colton Pareko, Eric Carlson, who's got 11.5 mil at five years, which is still very funny considering I forgot Eric Carlson was even still actively playing. Zach Wierenski, 9.6 mil at six years, which I, I don't know. I mean, I think I still would prefer him over Provorov with three more years at 6.75. Yeah. And then Nick Suzuki, 7.9 at eight years. And Ben Sherratt, good old Ben Sherratt, who got 4.8 at four years, which is uh, amazing, to be honest. I That's one that, because he signed with the Red Wings, right? I think he did. Yeah, which Stevie Y has made some pretty nice signings. enough to look. Yeah, who cares? But Ben Sherratt is like so insignificant. <laughs> ben Sherratt, who I, I also didn't realize until a, a certain point that his name wasn't like Chariot or something like that. I thought it was Chariot for so long. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Who the hell is this guy? And then I found out it was Sherratt, and I'm like, oh, okay. How about that? But he sucks, so whatever. First round pick. How about that? <laughs> but I, I'm just so I don't I don't know how a Flyers contract isn't. I guess JVR wouldn't be on the top ten because he only has one year left. Yeah, and honestly, you know, he's been below his value, but I probably wouldn't say like it's one of the worst deals the Flyers have ever he's signed. Not, yeah. It's not like he, it's not like his, um, his on ice. Like, it's not like he's like on the ice. He's playing like Dale Weiss. You know what right, I mean? Right. Right. Like, he puts up, you know, he's not great. Numbers, he does, he does some stuff. Yeah. He puts up a few goals, but yeah, I mean, he's probably, 
certainly one of the albatrosses at this point, though, because, you know, apparently Chuck couldn't move his contract because it was too hard. Oh, no. Too hard. Oh, no. Yeah, it's too hard. Poor guy. Kevin, Can't move I would say Kevin, I was surprised Kevin Hayes' contract didn't make it up there because that has been lamented as a tough contract from day one of him signing yeah. it. And he's still got four years left at $7.142 million a season, and he's had some injury issues, and Kevin Hayes is... He's awesome when he is healthy. When he's healthy, he's really good. Yeah. yeah. I still don't know if he's a $7 million a year player, given, you know, the salary cap and everything, but he's very right. good when he is at 100%. But four years of this, and I can't imagine he's really getting better at this point. So that, that's a tough contract. I'm shocked the Risto contract didn't make it. It's like the thing with the Risto contract is the term. The term. Like, well, I, I don't like the 5.1 so, either, but if... Well, me neither. At, but at least with like TDA, they only that, signed him for two years at that right. hit. Where if Raz, if they if they had signed Rasmus Ristolainen to three years of 5.1, two years of 5.1, I could live with it, but... I'll I, live, yeah. I'm yeah. not happy about it, but I could live. Five years is rough. It's bad. It's really bad. Like, I don't... I just... I don't... I didn't even want to think about that. Like the way I see, and I know this is probably not going to be true, but like the way I view the Flyers right now is, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope they become, you know, a competitive team two, three years from now. Cause I, I feel like one year, like I feel like this year it's pretty much a lost cause. They're not going to be that competitive, but like in my head, the Flyers aren't going to be not a laughing stock until that contract is gone. Right. And I'm scared because like, if they're willing to give him that, well, maybe I shouldn't be. If I'm like, I don't know. The way I'm looking at it is like, for some reason I'm imagining if nothing changes in Chuck Fletcher, still the GM and five, <laughs> if that's the, if that's the case, if that's the case, uh, we have some big problems on our end. That's really like, bad. If that's the case, what if they like resign him? After the five-year contract. If Chuck Fletcher's still in just... there, that's absolutely happening. I, no, he but can't But, like, be. yeah. I, I think they still think he's 21 years old and he could get exponentially better somehow. Do they realize that he's not old or he's not young? Like, They know, think he's super young. They, I think they've convinced themselves. It's like when the... I don't want to pick on Samuel Morin because he had some tough things, but like, yeah, you yeah. know, the Morin mafia was out there still saying like, oh, you got to give him a chance. You got, but he was, you know, he's like 25 years old and he hadn't really gotten in the NHL yet. And it wasn't going to happen. We're just trying to be realistic. Here's the thing with Moran though. Here's the thing with Moran. Like people, like they say that they brought in Rasmus Ristolainen to make the team harder to play against and to, you know, bring physicality and toughness. His hits don't do anything. He doesn't, it's not like he's running around laying dudes out. He doesn't do that at all. Like he's, he's so similar to Robert Haig where he I was just going like, to say this. He has like these phantom, it sounds these phantom the hits. micro hits. You know what I micro mean? Hits. These micro hits. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. And he doesn't make it harder to play against. He's significantly easier to play against the Flyers while he's on the ice. At least Moran was fucking huge and would beat that ass. <laughs> he would Kick your ass if you did anything. Like, Rasmus Ristolainen doesn't 
how many fights did he even get in last year? It's not a fighter, and I didn't really notice. Like I noticed the uh, the occasional hit. Keith Jones would always point out when Risto did yeah. anything of note because Keith Jones yeah. loves Rasmus Ristolainen. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Rasmus Ristolainen does bring some physicality, but like not nearly as much as they think he brings. I just want this guy to clear the crease. This is all That's I've it. ever wanted. He's huge. Like he's a big. He's six foot four, two twenty. Like he can clear like, the crease, and he. Does. I just want you to take these guys and toss them out of the crease, like Fred Flintstone's throwing the saber tooth tiger Dino out of the house at the end of the night. Whichever one, I forget which yeah. one it is. But you know, Fred Flintstone, those guys out of the crease. Come on, be like Fred Flintstone, yeah. Risto. Come on. Like at least Fred Risto. At least Sam Moran was just a fucking behemoth, and like I know. He wasn't like the greatest defenseman, but then again, we only how many NHL games did he even play? He played twenty nine NHL games, so like we never he never really yeah, got right. off the that ground. Right. Well, that, that's the thing he never got off the ground. But like, I think the thing is, I, the comparison I was trying to draw was not so much on the size; it was just based on the fact that like people kept saying even when he was older, like, oh, you still got you know a chance, and it's like. Yeah, you got to yeah, yeah. be realistic at a certain point that and when you're talking about guys who have been in the NHL this entire time and never really been benched or anything, they're not going to change their habits. Why, why would right. Risto change his habits at this point when he's getting five point one million a season for five years? You know, that's a reward for being a great player already. So it's like, why would he change anything? He doesn't need to change shit. Once you're like 24, 25 years old, you're pretty much at the age where like that's the best hockey you're going to play in your career. Unless you're one of those players that like a, like a Mike Donk player who just like <laughs> Mark Donk. shows up on the ping. It, was it Mike Donk? Mark Donk. That his Mark, name? Donk. Mark yeah. Donk. Yeah. Like unless you're like a Mark Donk, but you player, have to play with Sidney Crosby to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Like you can like, I, I guarantee you the flyers could, I don't know, like Tanner Lazinski, the flyers could trade Tanner Lazinski to the penguins Lazinski's putting up 20 goals. Oh, sure. If, but he's, if he's on a line with Malkin or, or Grubb. The thing is, Ristolainen is a defenseman. That's only... who's, who's the defenseman well, yeah, that yeah. can really... The only guys that could really elevate somebody like that are Makar, Yossi, and yeah. if uh, this mythical unicorn of a creature, Ryan Ellis, was alive, uh, he could elevate... Ivan Provorov, but I don't even, but the thing is he would never elevate Risto because he'd never play on the same bearing as him. So it's only, yeah. it's only really elite talents that are going to elevate a guy like this. And it's still not going to stop his bad habits. It's still not going to have him clear the crease or anything like that's, he just, <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about Risto. I, was, <laughs> I just put the contract. Down. This was not planned. This was not on our, our sheet. No, but he's today. so frustrating <laughs> because he should be great. He's got all the tools. He, he should be a fantastic defenseman. And I think Chuck just looks at these raw skills. He just looks at these attributes and goes, yeah, he's going to pull it together. And he just does remember- it. He, he's not going to do it. And I'll gladly, I will gladly eat my words in a few months if he's awesome. But Oh, I will. I, I, I can't imagine the universe. I actually would. I'd have to be in a new universe where he actually didn't come up in the Sabres organization uh, and learn from, I don't know, just like Chris Pronger or somebody, you know, like one of yeah. the best ever. Do you remember a few years ago when Risto had that like amazing highlight reel goal on the Sabres and then he did that insanely bizarre celebration afterwards? I don't actually remember like, this. Oh, it I'm was gonna look so it weird. Um. But, like, I remember seeing that, 
like he legit had promise. He was like at the, the time he was young and he has he does have personality. From what I understand, he's an excellent person. He's supposed like, to be a great a locker room pres- presence, a great person. Wait, that's fine if you make like a lot less of your cap percentage. Money. Yeah. yeah like if, if he was making what what they're paying to Laurier, I'd be fine with it. Right. Because that's yeah. what Robert oh, Haig's yeah. making. Because as you pointed out, like he's getting pretty much the same hits as Robert Haig and Robert Haig makes a hell of a lot less money per year than Rasmus search to line Where's Robert Haig now? Detroit. Is that where he signed? Let's see. Robert, I... where did body bag go to? Yeah. Red wings. Yeah. Red so wings. Uh, Ben Sherratt and Robert Haig. What a, what a pairing. Man. Would love that in the Flyers, baby. I'm looking up this Risto, this Risto celebration right now, and I'm I'm on the. Edge it was of my so seat. bizarre. He like he did this weird thing where he like it looked like he was drunkenly trying to like sneak into a strip club, but like he was flipping his stick at the same time. It was really it was very odd. drunkenly um, trying to sneak into a strip club. Who is he? Jay Rosehill. Bro- <laughs> No, because he didn't steal a car. Risto trying first. to do the Rose Hill triathlon over here. <laughs> <laughs> steal a it car. It was the most bizarre. Go a mile to another strip club. Oh my god, this is the big. This is the most slow motion replay of this goal that they could possibly be showing me. So, oh my god, hurry up! We don't have all day. This isn't a uh, podcast he... that routinely goes an hour and a half plus. Oh wait, it is. He did a, um, I think he beat like Brent Burns for the goal yeah. and he like just undressed him and it was like sick. It was a sick oh, goal. It was a fantastic goal. Yeah. And then he did this celebration that was so. All right. I'm, I'm at the celebration now. They are going in super slow motion. This is insane. What the fuck? They added graphics to it. All right. Hold on. I'm going to send you the. Uh, they add, why the did they add graphics to it? People got to ruin everything. I'll oh my God. This one. So that celebration ended up in one of the NHL video games. And I remember looking at it and I go, what the fuck is that celebration in the Did NHL it? video game? Yeah. What it's hell? one of the ones you can assign to players. And I have assigned some very bizarre celebrations to players over the years. Like I think I had Joel Farabee doing the worm after uh, goals. At one point. <laughs> I always make, um, uh, my people do headstands, so they're just like gliding on the ice on their hel- on just their helmet is their only support. These are the only things that EA is doing right. right is having you be able to put insane choices like that in there. They need to do more stuff like that. <laughs> Less well, they also need to you know actually improve the actual gameplay of the hockey you're playing. But oh, yeah. uh, the the celebration stuff is fun. More of that. So would you say that Risto is the the worst current Flyers contract? Because the only other contender, really, like Kevin Hayes is up there. I, I Some people would argue Couturier's could end up being an albatross because he hasn't even kicked in yet. It's kicking in this year. Eight years. I would do it. It's $7.75 a season. And he's coming off a, a pretty bad back injury. He's had ACL tear. He's had, he's had a bunch of issues. But as we know, if Sean Couturier is playing his best, this motherfucker's playing chess, not checkers. Yes, he is. And not checkers. You can't put a value on that. On that strategy, on that defense, 
if Sean Couturier plays like Sean Couturier, he's worth every penny of that contract. But is he going to play like Sean Couturier? Because he's played some tough years in the NHL already. It feels like Sean Couturier... Sean Couturier's been here a decade already, which is crazy because, what is he, 29, 30 years old? So, I think he's 29. I think he's turning um, 30 at some point in the season or early in the season, something like that. Yeah. So, if Sean Couturier comes back... And he's the same Sean Couturier that we have come to know in recent years. Then I'm not really that worried. But the amount of injuries he's had, I'm really nervous about. Like, because well, he this contract freaks me out a lot. Like a lot. The thing about Couturier I'm is terrified. he's playing in all scenarios at this point. He's playing on the power play. He's playing on the penalty kill. He's first line forward so he's playing like 20 minutes a night doing that alone so he plays hard minutes he's in there constantly and the thing is you look at this roster who the hell is going to play those minutes instead of him because i don't want anybody on the on the penalty kill except for him and kevin hayes at center yeah and on the power play their offensive talent is abysmal right now we discussed this a couple weeks ago who the hell's going to score goals on this team sean couturier well not the best offensive player of all time you know he's, he's not bad he's pretty good but he gets he gets in the crease he like screens the goalie yeah. he has he's great at like all stuff um, that you need on the power pucks yes exactly like so that's who's gonna play if it's not Chuck so the thing is he's going to have to still play 30 minutes and you know 20 plus minutes a night and all hard minutes and like i I also don't have any faith in the flyers keeping people healthy at this point after all the injuries that they've suffered the past couple years yeah, it's just, and that's the thing. Like, if Couturier stays healthy, I'm not really that worried about his contract. But, like, as much as I like Sean Couturier, he's kind of proven over the years that he's incapable of staying healthy. Like, he's guaranteed to miss a few games every year with some sort of injury. And, like, last year, it, he didn't miss a few games. He missed basically the year with a serious injury. And it's like, I'm really... <laughs> I'm really nervous about this contract now because if he if he doesn't come back looking as good as he was before, which is a very very real possibility, this could be a complete total disaster. Oh yeah. So if you look last year he played 29 games, the year before 45, but 69 the year but before that was a that nice. year. Yeah. Uh 80, 82. So he's pretty consistent to a point, but the last couple years are really where the concerns start to build up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, like, um, even beforehand, like, even before the 17-18 season, which for three years he was pretty healthy. So, like, 2017-18, played all 82 games. 18-19, played 80. 2019-20, I believe the Flyers only played 69 nice games that year. So, like, um, I think for basically those three straight seasons, he was very healthy. But, like... Before those three years, he, he did struggle with injuries. And it's like, I don't know. I'm just I'm just nervous. I'm really, really nervous about his contract. Like, Hayes, I'm not that worried about because, like, I don't know. At least he only has four years left. And, like, we've seen... Well, the thing with, with Hayes, we've seen him more recently play on the ice. And yes, be exactly. again. Because like, he actually came and back at the end of the, yes. decent at the end of last year. Whereas Couturier, well... We saw his worst injury happen know. just now. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, like, like exactly. Like, at the end of last season, Hayes looked really good. I was like, holy shit, this is excellent. I'm so happy to see him playing this well because I thought he was kind of screwed. But, 
Like, he played really, really well to end the season last year. And Coots we haven't seen since the beginning of last year. And even then, you know, he played – he only had 17 points in 29 games last year. Right, but that team and stunk. So I'm not even putting It, that it was him. terrible. But this team is going to stink too. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I guess the thing is we're going to have to look – more just like pre, you know, offensive explosion Couturier, I think we're going to have to judge him more based on the advanced numbers because yes, he doesn't yes, have a Claude Giroux and a Jake Voracek to help set him up anymore. And that's, yeah. Yeah. I'm worried. This team's going to, that bad. goes back to the, yeah, that goes back to the question. Who is going to score, score goals? Goddamn goals. Goddamn hate this team. It's going to be, it's going to be fucking JVR. It's going to be JVR and it's going to be hilarious. And, and then they're going to resign, resign him. five, five more years, four more years, four <laughs> more years. I swear to God, that's gonna be that's gonna be Chuck Fletcher's last thing. Oh, before he gets just fired, fuck the he's whole gonna be team. like, "All right," he's like, "I'm gonna let you finish, but let me just give this contract to JV. Oh man, just to, yeah, just to screw it all up. Just you really just like the Hextall thing. Throw a where grenade into the cap right there, or Paul Holmgren's yeah. parting move, which is the uh, the. AMAC contract, the Andrew McDonald contract, which could still be considered one of the worst contracts in Flyer history. Yes, I'm fully aware that Ron Hextall drew the contract up, but that was also part of his duties was to draw those contracts up. Paul Holmgren yeah. pulled the trigger on that deal. But, and AMAC is, you know, I think the most infamous Flyers <laughs> defenseman of all time at this point. And is that the worst contract in Flyers history? Uh, you know, are we looking at one of the worst? Like, I'm surprised they didn't make the top 10 here, but like the two I can think of as the worst contracts, maybe the Flyers have ever. Well, I think Briz Galoff is actually the worst. If that's really, bad. if the Flyers didn't have the lockout where they could just buy him out without having to deal with the cap implications, Briz Galoff, would have been, I think, easily the worst contract. A just one that would have affected them forever. They're paying Brizgalov until the year 2027. He gets like a million a year for forever. <laughs> it's hilarious. But it's not, it doesn't count towards the cap, so nobody thinks of it as the worst contract. But it really yeah. was a just abysmal contract. I'm pulling up the, the details on that now. And I just remember losing my mind when this happened it was a nine-year 51 million dollar contract so brisgalov was making 5.6 mil a year on the cap yikes yeah yeah it was bad nine-year contract for a goaltender that's smart it's never smart no so he gets like the most you should give a goalie is like Five Ilya Brzezgalov is living just one of the best lives you could imagine because he gets $1.6 million a year from the Flyers to do nothing until 2027. Yeah. Phenomenal. He's just hanging out. Oh, my God. That is... The things I would do to be Briz. Oh, my God. And you know what? I love Briz. I, I, he's a shit goaltender, but what a guy. What a personality. He was fun. Look at the, he was the Husky is a beautiful dog. Like, oh, so just great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> so... Briz's contract actually might be the worst in Flyers history. Vinny LeCavalier's was pretty bad because he was already washed up when Paul Holmgren decided yeah. five years for Vinny. You know what? Like, I don't even think about Vinny, though. Like, I really don't. You like, know why? Because that know. was actually Hextall's best move was dumping that contract. Hextall was actually... Yeah, where did he go? LA. He went to, like, L.A. Yeah. yeah, And L.A., he played, like, a couple games and scored some goals, and L.A. was convinced they got to revitalize Vinny LeCavalier. And no, they, they didn't. No, he sucked. Narrator. He sucked. They did not. <laughs> they didn't. The Ron, we got to get Ron Howard to just come in and do his uh, Arrested Development because that's what that is. You, you said you weren't uh, familiar with Arrested Development, but the narrator joke is just Ron Howard from Arrested Development because that was oh I didn't know yeah, that. that was uh, a lot of the comedy in Arrested Development was the narrator coming in as Ron Howard and uh, giving comments like that. But 
Fun fact right there. Good to know. Now, looking at this current team, a couple things to note this week. We had heard murmurs about this, but uh, Bobby Brink, RIPD, he's uh, he's dead. No, he's not dead. He underwent surgery to repair a torn labrum in his left hip. Now, you listed here he's expected to miss approximately five months of action. Now, my question is, does five months of action mean five months of the season, or is he back five months from now? Because that's a big difference. So, I, I should say five months of... Um... Like five months from now. Okay. Because yeah. five months from now is, if my calculations are correct, that's like November, December right there. Somewhere around there. And that's just missing. Ideally. That's missing training camp and that's missing the first two, two and a half months of the season, which is not ideal, but it could be a lot worse. Uh, hopefully the Flyers have learned their lesson from last year and don't rush him back because I don't know if they can do that one, Steve. I don't trust them. Oh, no, I don't trust them. No, <laughs> but I, I would hope that they would do that. And, oh my God, this is so frustrating. And then, you know, it's, it's a shame because Brink was one of those guys that we've been excited to see come up, get some NHL time, really see what he's got. And it feels like there's been a bunch of guys recently where we've been really excited to see them come up in the NHL. And then they've suffered terrible injuries right off the bat. Uh, Tanner Lisinski, who just re-signed with the Flyers recently, had a hip injury last year. And <laughs> Wade Allison obviously has every piece of bad luck in history. He's basically Mr. Bean on ice. And does Mr. Bean get hurt a lot? Am I making that up? I don't know. I don't know. Huh. My thing with Brink is weird. like, he is weird. He was great in Rat Race. Though. Maybe I'm thinking of Mr. Magoo. <laughs> Maybe. Well, no, no, Mr. Magoo just okay. narrowly avoids dying because he's like a, a, a legally blind old man who just like gets himself into hazardous situations. <laughs> yeah. But like, my thing with Brink is going into this season, Brink was the, he was the only player that I was really looking forward to watching like every shift because like he's young and he has a lot of potential. And we've seen like, like I only, I know he only played a few games for the flyers last year, but like he showed flashes of like, he, he showed good signs, you know? And so I was really pumped to like watch him throughout the year and see him kind of develop and, and all that. And th this is assuming he made the team. I don't know. We don't even know if he was going to make the team, but if he did, I was really excited to watch him. And now that's gone. And now I'm just like, Farabee's gone. Ellis is is he might never play again. <laughs> and I'm just looking and like who am I gonna like who am I watching? Who am I right watching? Now? Right. Cam York. Cam York. Now I'm like my focus is totally on Cam York at this point. Yes, yeah, so I I've got the lineup pulled up right now on Cap Friendly for the projected death chart right now. And Cam York is definitely an exciting player. Oh, and Tippett just re-signed for 1.5 million AAV. And yeah. Tippett was a large part of the Drew trade. And I know you had expressed some skepticism about him before. And I know he's kind of struggled to pot goals, but I, I like Tippett in that he, he does have some great skills. I think he has good hockey sense. I think somebody's just got to yeah. pull it all together. And hopefully Torts can be the guy to pull that together with Owen Tippett. I will say, even though, like, so Tippett only had seven points in 21 games of the Flyers last year. Um, he, even though his, like, statistics didn't really jump off the page, his play did, though. Like, like he was one of the guys I was noticing 
Late I was noticing season. him yeah. a lot. Yeah. Like there were, there weren't time. Like when he was on the ice, typically he would do something where I'm just like, Oh, there's own, own tippet. And it's not just because his flaming red hair was, you know, impossible to miss. It's because I was like, wow, he just made a really nice. Play. I mean, they all have flaming um, red hair at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, the, if you, yeah, if you put Owen tippet and Cam York's hair together, you actually have the Olympic torch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, but I, I was really, I, I was pleased with what I saw from Tippett, um, even though the, like the the point total didn't exactly reflect it. I did like what I was seeing from Tippett, and let, we'll see if he can like take that next step. But like, so I just I'm a little skeptical just because of the fact that we've never seen him reach a certain point. I'm skeptical so, of everybody on this team right now, so I'll take anybody with talent. So yeah, I, I'm looking yeah. at the depth chart right now, and I know we've been over this before, but it's still very funny to me because it's pretty, pretty bad. So right now, uh, per the cat-friendly depth charts, the top line is projected to be JVR, Sean Katori, and Cam Atkinson. The second line, Scott Lawton, Kevin Hayes, and Travis Konechny. It's actually a pretty solid second line right there. But then there's a large plummet. The third line projected to be Max Willman, Morgan Frost, God. and Owen Tippett. And then the fourth line is hilarious. The fourth line, Nick Delorier, Patrick Brown, and Zach McEwen. When Patrick Brown is the most skilled player on a line, <laughs> that is just chef's kiss terrific. Just uh, magnificent, let me tell you. Unbelievable. It's truly... It really is remarkable. Oh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pumped. This defense top pairing, Ivan Provorov and TDA... Second pairing, Sanheim and Risto, because why break up something so perfect? And then oh my the God. bottom pairing is actually the one I'm most excited for, Cam York and Justin Braun. Yes! It's actually like, a really good pairing. And you know what, dude? I, I like I have been making fun of the Justin Braun signing just because it's so opposite of what Chuck Fletcher said he was going to do this year with the whole aggressive retool thing. And retooling does not mean bringing back someone who was here last year. Um, but like as much as I've made fun of that deal... It's not like Braun's bad. Braun is not a bad player. He's he's a very, very good third-pairing defenseman. And, like, I that's legitimately the pairing I'm most excited to watch is Braun and York. Because I feel like they kind of complement each other well. Yeah, because York and, can be the puck carrier. He can actually, like, focus on yeah. offense, which he's fantastic at. And Braun yeah. can focus on just being a solid defensive player. Exactly. Like, and I'm excited to, to watch them together. I don't know. The top pairing is but a disaster, though. Absolutely. The disaster. top pairing, I'm terrified, man. Because, like, maybe, I don't, maybe in a weird world, it'll work. Because, like, I remember that one year when it was Provorov and Ghost, and they were, like, legitimately one of the top, like, defensive pairings in all of hockey. But then the year after that, it was, like, awful. So I don't know what's going on with that whole thing. Like, it, it all comes down to Provorov. Like, is Provorov going to return to the player that he was earlier in his career? Um, if he can do that, then this could end up being a pretty good pairing. But, like, based off of what we've seen from him the last two, three years, it's not going to be pretty. Yikes. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Like, he needs to be what he was. And if he can't return to that form, oh, baby, it's going to be so bad. I feel bad for Carter Hart. Oh, I feel bad I for feel Carter so bad Hart, for too, especially because they can't afford to get him an actual backup goaltender. Backup! So He has no backup. Right now, it's penciled in as Felix Sandstrom, 
who is a 25-year-old rookie, which is just yeah. not ideal. And then they, they signed a guy. I totally forgot his name because who cares? Uh, he doesn't matter. doesn't matter. They signed a guy who, you know, he's been good at the AHL level, but he's probably going to be the backup. And Oh, uh, Troy Grosnick. That's it. Grosnick. I feel bad because, like, this was supposed to be the year that Carter Hart, like, came into his own. In my in my view, this was supposed to be the year that Carter Hart really. Well, it's it's um, his. He's twenty three it years it was old. Supposed this to is be, like a great click year for goaltenders, you know. Well, yeah, like he's he's getting a little older. He's twenty three years old. But that's like when you're plus, hitting your prime plus, in the NHL. It's like twenty three, yes. twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Around there, that's when guys really hit their stride, hit their prime. Typically for like forwards and defense for goalies, it's a little different because goalies are fucking weird. But like with Carter Hart, I was really excited for this year because Tortorella, he typically he has very goalie friendly systems. You know what I mean? Like typically his system results in better numbers for the goalie. And I was excited because like we've seen Carter Hart play very well in front of like a halfway decent defense. And that was his rookie year when the Flyers made the playoffs and beat the Habs. Um, he was excellent that year. And then the last two years when the Flyers defense has been shit, the, I think it was the 20, um, 2020, 2021 season Hart just had like that sophomore slump. But then this past season, Carter Hart like was, was solely responsible for the Flyers winning like half their games. They wouldn't have won half of their games if it wasn't for Carter Hart being as good as he is. And I know his numbers didn't look great, but he was legit good last year. And I was so hopeful going into this season, this off season, because I was like, oh, wow, like you have John Tortorella here. He's going to really shore up the, you know, the defensive structure and everything. And maybe he still will. Maybe the defense is going to be so much better than we think it will be just because John Tortorella is here. <laughs> and that's what he prides his teams on. But dude, it's hard to say. It's hard to imagine that being the case when you have Tony D'Angelo, who doesn't know what defense is and Rasmus Ristolainen running around. And I, I just and they considered Risto at forward. Like I, I think he's in the wrong position. I really do. Like, we always joked about that with Ghost, but I'm actually convinced that's the case with Ristolainen. I mean, they put Moran at forward. Why not put Ristolainen? I want Ristolainen second line right wing, <laughs> and Travis Konecki can play left wing up there, and we'll see what happens. Who else? Who have they done this to? They put Moran at forward. They put Friedman at forward. What other, def- oh, what other defensemen have they forced to be forwards? Cranberry's own Friedman. And the, well, and who can forget? I mean, you can forget because you don't apparently know hockey before 2012. But Sammy Kapanen <laughs> dropping back and playing defense back in the day. Yeah. Didn't uh, Dustin Bufflin, wasn't he like a... Dustin Bufflin uh, fluctuated Didn't he play forward and yeah. defense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. A guy who was, you know, got thrown around in the rumors for the Flyers quite a bit because he was huge. But he was also good. He was too. good, and I imagine he would have been great on the Flyers. But then his <laughs> he would have been awesome. His, his career took a his life took a strange turn. Yeah, that, I still don't quite understand that whole thing. He just kind of like disappeared. Yeah, I remember he had which, he had a a BUI a boating while intoxicated, which is strange. You don't hear that often. <laughs> you you don't. You really don't like the the Coast Guard come and get you. Like that's it's just weird to me. But you know who also the Flyers didn't go out and get Matthew Kachuk. Who uh, we talked for, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes last week about Kachuk because we knew that Chuck, perfect he would we be. knew Chuck Fletcher wasn't going to go after him, but he would be a perfect flyer. And 
as predicted, he did not go to the Flyers. And actually, it was one of the teams that was rumored to be one of the teams he was willing to sign an extension with. And that was yeah. not a team we expected out of the bunch there. This happened. I decided to edit the podcast on Saturday morning with a fresh cup of coffee and everything. And the trade happened Friday night at like 11 p.m. So that was pretty funny. But uh, Kachuk was traded to the Florida Panthers, which was a shocker. And even more shocking, because we talked about adding him to the lineup with Huberdo and Barkov. And they actually yeah. traded Huberdo to Calgary as part of this deal. Completely and stunned Uyghur. by this. Yeah, Uyghur too. Uyghur was so a stunner like, too, that was, yeah. That was like the wildest. Because I remember like the tw- the initial tweets came out from like Friedman and Sarah Volley basically saying like, uh, oh, Kachuk to Florida. And I was like, ooh, baby, I wonder what the, what the return is going to be. And then I think it was Friedman. He was like, uh, Huberto and Uyghur are key parts of their turn. And I was like, what? Wild. Like, this has happened. Like, we're having, like, an actual blockbuster trade right now at 11 p.m. on a Friday night when I should be out doing things, but I'm not because my life is... I went to bed early that night. Yeah. I went to bed. I was exhausted. I went to bed at, like, 10.30. And, well, and also, I don't have air conditioning working in most of my house right now, but it works in my bedroom. So, yeah, I went up to the bedroom, and I just, uh, I'm going to go to bed. There's not going to be any yeah. hockey news. And then I woke up. I'm like, what the fuck? But the trade in full. So, Matthew Kachuk goes to Florida, going to Calgary, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Cole Schwint, and a lottery-protected first-round selection in the 2025 NHL draft. So The Panthers don't have a first-round pick until 2026. <laughs> 2026. So that's, uh, and that's the year when uh, Philly's supposed to have all that fun stuff, like the All-Star Games and the uh, the World Cup and all that great stuff. Yeah. 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 So it's, a, it's, it's going to be a hot minute. I'm going to do the, oh, wow, again. Oh, wow. But... It's been a while. I was stunned that Huberto was part of this deal, and Uyghur to an I extent. Was too. Like Uyghur is less of a stunner because you got to give some stuff. You got to give if you're going to get Matthew Kachuk, right? But yeah, Huberto was, and this reminds me a bit of like when the Phillies traded for Roy Halladay back in the day because they traded Cliff Lee away when they got Roy Halladay. And I thought the whole point of getting Roy Halladay is so you could play him with Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels and all that great stuff. But I digress. The thing is, Huberto was such a big part of that team, and this ends up being more of a change of scenery trade because Huberto's been there for years and they haven't won, so that, you know, certainly shakes things up. And Kachuk's also younger by five years, so that's a big factor. And they signed him to the extension, right? And Huberto was extension eligible this summer, uh, either this summer or next summer. I forget exactly which one, but... Huberto's going to be a UFA next summer. Yeah, so... And Uyghur, both of them. Both of them, okay. So they... Yeah. It's on paper an excellent trade for Calgary, but they gotta sign one of those guys, and they really should make the focus Huberto because Huberto is a stud. He is a top line guy. You can throw him in on that top line, and he's gonna be awesome. And he's just a fantastic hockey player. But I can understand why they would want the change of scenery, the shake it up trade, because. Kachuk's a different player. He's going to bring more of an attitude to that team and probably something they need based on their playoff performance last year. So when the first, when I first saw the trade, I was like, what the fuck are the Panthers thinking? Like getting rid of Huberto and Uyghur. And then I saw that they were both UFAs. I was like, okay, this makes a little more sense. Like they're not guaranteed to stay in Calgary. Although Huberto has said that he's open to staying to signing long-term in Calgary, but that's just, hearsay like he's probably who knows what he's actually going to do but 
Um, but then I thought about it a little more. And, like, I do love Kachuk for the Panthers. Because, like, I feel like that's something the Panthers have kind of lacked ever since they were kind of conceived as a franchise. Like, they've never had a player that... Like, he's truly a superstar player. And not only is he a superstar, not only is he great on the ice, but he's, like, a personality. He's an experience. Like, rooting for Matthew Kachuk is an experience. And he is going to create a lot of headlines by just being Kachuk. Like, by, you know, being a rowdy, um, hard, you know, hard-nosed player. And I think that's really good for the franchise. You know what I mean? I feel like more people are going to be watching the Panthers to see what's Kachuk going to do tonight. Oh, yeah. Like, he's going to he's gonna start it, and he's already starting it. He's already doing it by saying, yeah, I really hated the Oilers, but, man, I hate the fucking Lightning even more now. And I'm just like, here we go. Yeah, he's that's starting a good it point. Now. Like, that's a good point. He's going to start a lot of shit. But, like, that, the rivalry between Tampa and Florida now is going to be off the chain just because Kachuk's there. Yeah. And, like... A friend of mine is a big Lightning fan, and I and he hates. I don't think I've met anyone on the planet who hates Brad Marchand more than more than my friend. Forrest. That's he, kind like, of amazing because a lot of people hate Brad Marchand. Dude, he hate he absolutely hates Marchand, and he won't like he always puts in our little like group chat like whenever Marchand's even brought up, he's just he says nasty things. He's the guy and, who refuses to draft him in fantasy hockey because it's just principles. I think he actually. I think he actually did draft him, and he was just like, I fucking hate him, but he's great for that, fantasy. I, dude, that happens every year to me because yeah, nobody but, wants to draft him because they hate him, and I pick him up in, like, the second round. I'm like, he's fucking great. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing I, I put last night in the group chat, I was like, I got a hot take. You're going to hate Kachuk more than Marshan by the end of next season. <laughs> he's going to see him a lot. Marshan's Dude, Kachuk is going to do – he's going to – do some wild shit to Tampa players, especially just for so many reasons. One, it's like the national or the natural geographic rivalry, but two, it's Tampa and they've been like the top dog in the NHL for so long. And you know, he's been like watching them and just being like, fuck these guys. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Kachuk's going to start a lot of shit. He might try to start a fight with the big rig. Oh, I hope so. Big rig. Now, Kachuk, that's a good point that he he brings a different energy to that team and more of a spotlight. Because Florida, as long as we really have been thinking of the Panthers as a good team, they've been known for their under-the-radar stars. They've been known for Barkov and Huberdeau, who are both just very... The underrated label, as longtime listeners to this podcast will know, gets overused for these guys. Absolutely overused. Because Barkov... He's not underrated. Everybody properly rates him. He's no, a fantastic yeah. hockey player. Huberto actually did fly under the radar, probably a little bit underrated. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Huberto does away from Barkoff. For, yeah. we've, we've never seen that. They've played together, I think, pretty much their entire careers, right? And then, as far as, like, Kachuk goes, I think we know what Kachuk is. And I think he's going to be awesome in that lineup. Yeah, and we don't even... He might not have even hit a ceiling yet. He's only 24 years old. Like, he's just hitting his age-related prime. And so it's like, I'm excited to see what he becomes. And and here's another thing about, like, the Panthers and, you know, the whole... Their stars and everything. Like, Huberto under the radar. Uyghur probably under the radar. Even though he... Last year was kind of like his coming out party, I feel like. Um, but, like... Ekblad there is, are a lot of like, people, a pretty, Ek- like, 
he's a very good player. I think a lot of people, I think, respect Ekblad, but he's not necessarily considered one of the top defensive presences by any yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people, like, have probably never heard Barkov or Ekblad, Ekblad talk before. Right, I have no idea what their voice is. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I have no, like, they're very, like, low-key player. Like, on the ice, they're good, but, like, I feel like they're low-key personalities. Kachuk doesn't shut the fuck up. And, like, that's going to be a great... I don't know. It's just going to add a bit of venom to the team. Like, just a... A little spice. Like, a good, perfect pinch of spice, a little bit of bite to the team. And that's exciting. If I'm a Panthers fan, I'm really excited right now. Throw a little sriracha in that shit, you know? Yeah. The only thing that Panthers need to do now is return to the Leaping Cat logo. And then they will officially be like my <laughs> second favorite team in the NHL. Oh, no, the Leaping Cat is no uh, whatever the Arizona Coyotes return to. Whatever you call, what, what is the term for that coyote? The Kachina. The Kachina, the Kachina is yeah. amazing. If the Panthers had a yes. Kachina, then I would support that. Hey, the Leaping Cat, you know, I'm not, it's, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not passionate about the Leaping Cat. I'm passionate it's about the than mighty... what they have now. I'm actually just fine with what they have now. But then again, like, I've never really given a shit about the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. The, so. the only cool thing they ever had was uh, noted racist John Van Beesbrook's helmet back in the 90s. Oh, we yeah, don't support really John cool Van Beesbrook thing. for being a noted racist, but the helmet back in the 90s was pretty cool. Yeah. But he and they had fun. Pavel Burry for in like his twilight. Oh, he was still really good there. Was he? Oh yeah. Wait, was he? Where was the last team he played? Oh, New York. That's where he was for his last team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was still good. That's, you know, yeah, that's where all Florida. the best players go to die. Like Yager and <laughs> Yager. Actually, one of those. Th- one of the the fallacies about Yager is that he really like tailed off in New York and Washington, and he's actually really fucking good in both those places. Dude, he was awesome. Yeah. But he got he, did, honestly, he took a lot of shit from the media markets in both those places uh, over his performance and his numbers are spectacular. Yeah, of course New York would do that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Yager didn't become like quote unquote washed up, and he I guess he really was never all that washed up. Really, I mean, the like, closest he came was after like he had a great resurgence in Philly. But Philly, he was good. After, after Philly, that, like, kind of just, like, bounced around from team to team, yeah. just not as good. Like, he, I wish he had just stayed here. That was, I think, Paul Holmgren's biggest yeah. mistake was not bringing Yager back for another go-around because he had such good chemistry with Hartnell and Giroux, and that really took away from the top six of that team. Yeah. I see. I know he had that other resurgence with the Devils, but then it was weird. Like, he had that resurgence with the Devils, then he sucked the next year, and then he had another resurgence with the Panthers – and then he sucked the year after that. Yeah. And then he went to Calgary and then he was like officially washed. Yeah. Up. Yeah. But, you know, he was also what, like 43 years old at that point? <laughs> yeah. He's still going. He's like 66 years old and he's like killing it over in whatever league he's in. Right he's now, the best, so. you know? There's only one Yager and he's the best. Yeah. He's awesome. He's awesome. We miss him every day and we'll raise our glass of uh, Yarmir Lager to that. And that was still my favorite beer creation we made over at Flyers Faithful was Lager L A G R. <laughs> amazing fantastic bring it back we gotta bring it back marcello he's not listening but we love you yogs friend of the show friend of the show yarmir yager he's welcome on anytime let me tell you yeah uh, well folks we're gonna wrap it up here i know it's not quite an hour and a half but you know what them's the them's the breaks you'll deal with you'll it deal with it you'll deal with but it. but <laughs> thanks so much for listening if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca ryan where can people find you on twitter and you got anything to plug for these fine people 
Follow me, your boy, on Twitter at Ryan Quiggs with a Z. Um, what interesting things do I have to plug? I don't really think anything. I, it's I the, feel it's like I do summer. have things to plug. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there are legit things for me to plug, like professionally, but I just. Eh. I'm not thinking about it. So. You're not thinking about it. Who gives a shit? You got this show to plug. You're on fly purbly. There you go. We also This is the most professional thing I'll ever do, Steve. <laughs> that's that's the biggest laugh I think you're gonna get out of me. That's a professional fly purbly. Get out of here. Get out of here. Folks, you can follow Ryan at Ryan Quiggs. You can follow me at Flyperbole or at Esteban. But if it's for hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Follow Flyperbole on Instagram. And I guess TikTok. I still haven't figured out what the fuck to do with that. I'm going to figure it out at some point. Broad Street Hockey is also on a variety of social medias. And we're going to go. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, Look at this autograph!